0: Well, uh, those of you that have been here before, you know that we started a series last week called School Wars, called School Wars, and the whole idea of this series is this. It's a series about tough competitions and even tougher questions, okay? So School Wars is a series about tough competitions and even tougher questions. Now, uh, those of you that went to NTS camp this past year, yeah, you know... That I'm all about competition. I love winning. It's like, it's like my favorite thing in the world. This world, in fact, is full of competition, uh, which is why uh, you got to know this. I don't know if you realize this or not. Um, and again, I'm not, a, I'm not a prophet. I'm a pastor, but I'm not a prophet. Um, but I can see the future. And I can see that UGA is going to be this year's national champion. You feel me? That's happening. It's happening this year. By the way... I can also see that Todd Gurley is going to be Heisman, he's going to be Heisman this year, there's really no doubt, no doubt about it. Now, now, there, now we love competition, right? This world is full of competition, which is another reason why for this series, we're having a competition between grades. Um, so how many of you, just out of curiosity, how many of you think uh, sixth grade is going to win this competition? It's a few, it's a few. Hey, uh... How many of you think 7th grade is going to win this competition? Yeah, there we go. And, uh, and I guess that's it. So anyways, we're so glad. How many of you think 8th grade is going to win this competition? Wow. Ah. That, that was good. 6th and 7th grade, y'all got to you know, they're trying to win, okay? You can't let them run away with this thing. Okay, so this series, this series is also about tougher questions because we know that this world is full of competition, but it's also full of a lot of questions. And, and I think when it comes to asking questions, there's really two main types of questions that we ask. It's this, questions of comprehension and questions of permission. Okay? Questions of comprehension, questions of permission. Here's what I mean. Uh, if you ask something like, what does that mean? Or could you tell me a little bit more about that? That is a question of comprehension. Like I'm trying to understand something and so I ask a question about it. Now, we also have questions of permission. And these are questions like, can I do that? Uh, am I allowed? Like, is this okay? Those are all, those are all questions of permission. Uh, and if you've ever been through airport security, then you know all about questions of permission, okay? Um, it was actually, uh, it, was, it was a few years ago, and I went, um, I was flying with some friends to Utah, some friends from college, and uh, we were going to go run a half marathon, which is 13.1 miles, Okay. So we had already trained, like we had already packed our bags, we already bought the race tickets, we already bought the plane tickets, we just need to go fly and then actually run the race. So uh, we get to the Delta Airport and I'm standing in line at uh, airport security. Uh, have any of you ever stood in line at airport security before? Anyone? Yeah. yeah. Uh, airport, security, airport security is where happiness goes to die. You know what I'm saying? Like no one is having a good time at airport security. Like, if you were smiling before, you're not smiling now, because you're in line, and everyone is, like, staring at their shoes, and they're just angry. Like, everyone is just, you're angry. Anyways, I got to the front of the line, and um, finally, I did the whole, like, security, like, body scan thing, you know what I'm talking about? Where, Where, like, you stand there, and you, like, hold this pose, and they check you for, like, drugs and fingernail clippers and all that stuff. You know, and I was clear, I was good. So, so I get to the other side, and then I'm waiting for my bag to come out on the conveyor belt. And uh, so I'm waiting there for a few minutes, and my bag is not coming out on the conveyor belt, which is, which is a little strange. Uh, and then I notice that my bag is sitting in a chair on the other side of the conveyor belt. And so I'm thinking, probably what you're thinking, oh, they made a mistake, okay? One of the security guys thought that that was his bag, but that's my bag, okay, so I'm going to help him out, I'm going to help because he doesn't know, so I walked around the conveyor belt, and I get my bag from like behind where all the security people are, and I grab it, and I start walking, (laughs) and as I start walking, I hear, (laughs) I hear this voice, and the voice says, sir, put the bag down, (laughs) And so, like, you know, I'm looking, and the security guy is, like, staring me dead in the face. He says, sir, put the bag down. It was on the chair for a reason. I was like, yulph, okay. And so so I hand it to them. And then, like, my friends have already gone through security, and they look at me. They go, what's going on? I was like, I don't know, like, racial profiling, I think. You know, like, they're just... They're out to get me, you know. So um, anyways, after a few minutes, the guy, the guy that like was yelling at me, he's holding my bag and very like stern face and stern voice. He says, sir, is there anything dangerous in this bag? Now, let me let you in on what was in the bag, okay? Uh, It was my Bible, a journal, a pen, and a book about running. Woo, you know, like I'm a rebel, okay? And uh, so, so, so anyways, the guy looks at me. He says, sir, is there anything dangerous in the bag? And so I look at him, and I go, well, there's a Bible. There's my journal. There's a pen, and there's a book about running. Uh, and then he asks me again. He says, sir, is there anything dangerous in that bag? And I'm like, he, I must not have spoken loud enough. Let me help him out. Uh, there's a Bible. There's a journal. There's my pen, and there's a book about running. And then he asked me a third time, he says, sir, if I reach inside this bag, am I going to find anything dangerous? I was like, some people consider the Bible to be dangerous. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. I'm not that brave. No, no, no. So instead, I, I look at him again, and I was like, this guy just isn't getting it. I was like, dude, there's a Bible, there's a journal, there's a pen, and there's a book about running. And so then he reaches inside the bag. And he pulls out an 8-inch knife. Yeah. Yeah, I was feeling pretty good at that moment. My friends are over there laughing. Like, they love it, right? And I, I like, can see it now. I can see the headline. Um, Dumb passer brings sharp object through airport security. You know, this is not. And then I realized in that moment, um, the night before, I had, like, cut an apple with a knife. And then I accidentally put the knife in the bag, forgetting that I was... Going on a flight. So I'm thinking like, well, this is it. I'm going to jail. Like, this is fun. This is good. Pastor's going to jail. This is going to be a good, uh, good story. Anyways, now like at this point, you know, I've been, I've been like a little smart to this guy, you know what I'm saying? And now the guy's like put me in my place. So he's a lot nicer now. And so he's holding the knife and he says, uh, sir, do you mind if I keep this knife? And I look at him, I go, dude, you can have the whole bag, okay? <laughs> like, it's all you, okay, whatever you want. Because in that moment, questions of permission actually matter, right? Like, like, it mattered what I was allowed to bring through airport security. Like, it, 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 it was a, whether I realized it or not, it was a sin for me to bring a knife through airport security. Like, this actually mattered. And so a lot of times when we talk to God and when we ask, God, these questions, a lot of times they're questions of permission. They're questions of permission. Hey, hey God, can I do this? God, is this, is this allowed? Is this a sin for me to do this? And um, just this week, we actually we launched this, this, this website, ask.fm uh, schoolwars school wars. And we gave you a chance to ask questions that you want to uh, have answered in this series. And so uh, more than half of the questions were questions of permission. Questions of, can I do that? Like, is that allowed? And so, here are the four questions we're going to talk about tonight, and we're actually going to give answers to these. Number one, is drinking a sin? We're going to talk about that. Number two, is getting a tattoo a sin? Number three, is self-hate or self-harm a sin? And then finally, number four, is smoking weed a sin? And we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it tonight. Now, now here's the deal. As we talk about this, I know there's some of you in the room that like maybe you haven't been to church before or maybe it's been a long time since you've been to church. And so you're not really sure what all like the churchy words mean. So, so I think as we talk about is drinking a sin, is getting a tattoo a sin, it's important that we ask uh, or answer this question. What is sin? Okay? What is sin? So I'm going to give you three different definitions uh, for the answer to what is sin. Um, here's the first one. Disobeying God. Okay, if you've grown up in church, this is probably the definition that you heard: that sin is when you disobey God. So, for instance, if you disobey your parents, it's like you're sinning against your parents. And if you disobey God, it's you're sinning against God. Okay, so 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 disobeying God. So, in other words, um, if God says to do something, if you do something else, that's disobeying God. You can disobey God in thought, in word. Or an action. In other words, you can say something that disobeys God, um, you can think something that disobeys God, or you can actually do something that disobeys God. But either way, it's a sin if you're disobeying God. So that's the first uh, answer. This is kind of a churchy answer. This is probably, again, if you've, if you've grown up in church, this is probably the answer that you heard. Now, here's the next uh, answer to what is sin. And I like this one a lot because this is kind of like de churchified a little bit. It's selfishness, okay? it's selfishness. So in other words, if there's ever been a time where you say, I don't, really, I don't really care what my parents think, I don't really care what my friends think, I don't really care what my coach thinks, I don't really care what my parents think, I don't really care what my teacher thinks, I don't really care what you think Steve, I don't really care what God thinks, I just want to do whatever I want to do. Well that's selfish. And that's a sin. In fact, if you look throughout scripture at different times when people sinned, you can always trace it back to their own selfishness. Not thinking about anyone else Only thinking about themselves and only acting accordingly. So uh, that's another definition. But here is my favorite definition for what is sin. It's this. Fulfilling a godly desire in an ungodly way. Fulfilling a godly desire in an ungodly way. Now, now, this is my favorite definition because I think whenever we talk about sin or whenever we talk about God's rules or anything like that, we have a tendency to think that God is out to get you, you know, that like God doesn't want you to have any fun. That God is against fun, God is anti-fun. If you're ever like feeling happy or feeling joyful, or if you ever actually get something that you want, then you're probably sinning because God doesn't like you to be happy. And that's just not true. That's not true. In fact, check it out. Every desire that you have was given to you by God. Like, God's the one that invented joy. Like, God made that up. God's the one that thought of the smile. He's the one that invented it, okay? So like whenever you have a desire for something that makes you happy, God actually invented that desire. He put that desire within you. Did you know, this is crazy, but did you know that God put a desire in you to party? God wants you to party. It's true. God put something in you to party. You know why? Because at the end of time, when we, those that believe in Jesus, get to go to heaven, guess what we're going to do? We're going to party with God, and it's going to be a better party than any party you've ever been to, because God put a desire in you to party. God put that in you, but here's the key. Fulfilling a godly desire something that God put in you in an ungodly way, outside of the context in which he wanted you to enjoy it. Here's what I mean. A fire in your fireplace is awesome. A fire in your living room is really bad. You know what I'm saying? But it's the same thing. It's the same desire. It's still a fire, but context matters. You know what I'm saying? Fire in your living room, bad thing. Fire in your fireplace, a very good thing. So every desire you have, God put in you for a specific context. And just real quick, and I know that this is a more mature subject, so I'm only going to talk about it for like 10 seconds. God put a desire in every person to have sex. God, and, and, and I know some of you are like, what? Yeah, God's not surprised by sex. He thought of it, okay? But that's a whole other story. Um, if you're confused about that, you can talk to your life group leader. They'll help you out. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, okay? But, check it out. Outside of the context of marriage, outside of the context of marriage, it leads to shame. Leads to guilt. Leads sometimes to depression, To regret. But in the context of marriage, it leads to intimacy with the person that God made you to be with. So it's a good thing. But in an ungodly way, it's a sin. So, so, so again, if you think that God is just anti-fun or anti-anything that you enjoy, it's not true. Because sin is just fulfilling a godly desire or something God put inside of you in an ungodly way. Okay, so as we talk about this, you're probably beginning to like put two and two together and as you think about sin and maybe this new definition of sin, maybe you're starting to get anxious because you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I think I might have sinned before. And so maybe here's your question, um, how do I know if I've sinned? And the answer, you have, okay, that's okay, you have, you have. Uh, I've sinned, you've sinned. We've all sinned for ice cream or something like that, okay? All of us have sinned. So if you're like worried or if you're anxious and you're like, oh my gosh, I hope I haven't sinned, you have. We're all messed up, man. We're all in this room together because we are all messed up, okay? So um, don't keep on sinning, but if you're worried if I've ever sinned, you have, you have. Okay, so here's the big question for tonight. Is fill in the blank a sin? Drinking, tattoos, is fill-in-the-blank a sin? And this is the process we're going to go through to figure out if something is a sin. Here's the first question. What does Scripture say? What does Scripture say? So as you try to process if something is a sin, the very first question you have to ask is what does Scripture say? As I study the text and as I study the context, what is God saying through Scripture? See, we talked about Scripture last week. And the reason that we talked about Scripture is because Scripture is God's word to you. This is actually what God said. So if you want to know what God thinks, then look at Scripture because that's his word. So the very first question you have to ask is in the context of these verses that I'm looking at, what does God say? What does Scripture say? Okay. Now, if you ask that question and you get to the end result and you say, I don't really know. Like, Scripture is unclear. If Scripture is clear, then you're done. If God said it's a sin in Scripture, then it's still a sin today. But, if it's unclear, then you go on to this question. What does my conscience say? What does my conscience say? See, God actually put your conscience inside of you. He also gave you, those of you that believe in Jesus, He gave you His Holy Spirit to guide you. So that when you run across a decision that's difficult to make, as you pray about it, as you think about it, This is a question that you ask. What does my conscience say? In other words, and this is another way to think about it, does this decision or does this action make me more loving or less loving? Does it make me more godly or less godly? Does it make me more selfish or less selfish? What does my conscience say? And then finally, you ask this question, am I causing other people to stumble in their faith? And here's all that means. If someone else were to look at me, would they question Jesus? Like, if they catch me doing this thing that I'm considering, would they question Jesus? And if the answer is yes, then just don't do it, okay? Just don't do it. So, these are the questions we're going to be going through, so let's start with question number one. Um, This is a really popular one that came up on our ask.fm. Here it is. Is drinking a sin? So, let's ask the question, what does scripture say? Here's the first one I want to look at. Romans 13.1 says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities... For there is no authority except that which God has established. Okay? Here's what that means. God established all the authority in your life. That means your parents. That means your teachers. And that means the government or the law. Which means if it's against the law, God established that on purpose. So if it's against the law, it's a sin. And none of you in this room, I don't think, are over the age of 21 if you're still in middle school. And if you are, then maybe we can get some tutoring for you or something, okay? But if you're under the age of 21, it's against the law for you to drink. So therefore, for you, it is a sin to drink. But, but, I know you and you're curious. And you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But what if I was 21? What if I was 21? Would it then be a sin to drink? So let's see what scripture says. Ephesians 5.18 says, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life, which just as a side, I love this verse because it ties sin to ruining your life. See, God gives you these laws, he gives you these commands because he recognizes that sin will ruin your life and he cares about you. The reason he set these things up is because he doesn't want you to have a life that is ruined. He doesn't want you to have a life full of regret. So um, maybe there's some of you in the room that you can attest to this verse. Like, you know that when you get drunk, relationships get ruined. When you get drunk, you're filled with regret. That when you get drunk, you look back and you think, dang it, I wish I didn't do that. And that's exactly what this verse is saying. God's saying, don't do it because it's just going to ruin your life. It's not worth it. So don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So according to this verse, even if you're over the age of 21, if you are getting drunk, it's a sin. Very clearly, according to Scripture, it's a sin. In fact, there's many other verses, we don't have time to go through these, but many other verses that talk about drunkenness, and they say, yeah, drunkenness is a sin. But, there's some of you in the room that are still processing, and you're thinking, you're like, yeah, 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 but, but, um, what if I'm over 21, and I'm not getting drunk? Can I still drink alcohol? And Scripture is actually silent on this. In other words, Scripture does not say whether it's a sin to or not to drink as long as you are not getting drunk and as long as you are above the legal age. So then we go on to our next question. What does my conscience say? In other words, when I, when I think and when I pray about drinking, am I drinking to escape something? Am I drinking to cope? Or am I just having a glass of wine with my wife over pasta? And I think... I think your motivation for why you're doing that goes into is this more selfish or less selfish? Is this making me more godly or less godly? What does your conscience say? And there's some of you that when you turn 21 and you pray about it and you think about it, you're not running from anything, for you it's going to be okay. There's other people in this room that as you pray about it, you're like, "I just God God says for me no." And so for you, it's a sin. But there's some of you in the room, again, that, that when you pray about it, over the age of 21, not getting drunk, God's going to give you the thumbs up. And so then we go on to the third question, which is, am I causing other people to stumble in their faith? And this is the reason I don't drink, okay? I'm 29 years old. Um, I have no intention of getting drunk. That doesn't really, like, that's not appetizing to me. I just don't want to do it. Um, and so for me, uh, I've also prayed about it, and for me, it's not an issue. It's not, I'm not running from anything. So for me, having a glass of wine is really not a big deal. But I know that there's some of you in this room that if you were to see me drinking, it would cause you to question Jesus. And so for me, that's not worth it. So I've made the decision, just for me, that for me, it's a sin right now to drink alcohol so I choose not to because I know it could cause some people to stumble I work with students all the students I work with are under the age of 21 so it's almost like I'm here with you guys okay so like we're all in this together I'm choosing not to drink that's just my choice so that's the answer to is drinking a sin so let's go on to the next one is getting a tattoo a sin this one's really fun because some of you may or may not realize this but I actually have a tattoo And, uh, some of you have like been like Bible scholars on this and you've come up to me and you've opened scripture and you've been like, what about this? What about this right here? And so this is the verse that, that, that you quote to me, which is so good. You quote this Leviticus 1928. Um, how many of you can spell Leviticus? Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay. So, uh, but, but you quote this to me. Okay. Leviticus 1928. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. And so you read that and you're asking the question, what does scripture say? And at first glance, it looks like God is saying, getting a tattoo is a sin. But as you read scripture, you have to always, without a doubt, no exception, you have to look at context. In other words, what are the verses around this verse that I'm reading? And what was the cultural context in which God ordained that verse to be written? What is God actually saying in that verse? It's so important to understand the context. So just for fun, I want to look at the verse right before that. Okay, The verse right before 1928 is 1927. It says, do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip off the edges of your beard. Yep. So here's what that means. Only the people in Duck Dynasty are without sin. Okay. If you've, if you've ever shaved, then apparently, according to this verse, you're sinning right? Now, now, hold on, before you freak out because you've gotten a haircut before. When you look at the cultural context of these, actually, can we go back to 1928 real quick? He ends it with, I am the Lord. The reason he ends this verse with, I am the Lord, is because he was talking to the people of God about the fact that they were imitating other cultures that were worshiping other gods. And this is how they worshiped other gods. They shaved their heads, they cut their bodies, and they put tattoo marks on themselves. And so God is saying, don't worship other gods. In other words, don't do the things that other people do when they worship other gods. So these verses are actually a lot less about shaving your head or getting tattoos, and a lot more about which god you worship. So, believe it or not, these verses are actually silent on the issue of, is just getting a tattoo a sin? It's silent. In fact, there's another verse that not many people know that talks about tattoos, and it's a verse about Jesus having a tattoo. Do you know that? Here's what happens. At the end of Revelation, when Jesus comes back, it says he's gonna have a tattoo on his thigh, and it says, King of kings and Lord of lords. I know. The thigh is an awkward place for a tattoo. I totally agree. It's weird. But he's Jesus, so he can do that. So clearly, clearly, if it says on his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords, then maybe this verse isn't saying that getting a tattoo is a sin. So as we look at scripture in its entirety, scripture is silent on whether getting a tattoo is a sin. So then you ask the question, what does my conscience say? What does my conscience say? Now, many of you know that um, I got this tattoo. I want to tell you the story, if that's okay. Of, of when I got this tattoo, uh, I was 21 years old, and um, it was uh, during a period of life when a lot of stuff in my life was kind of caving in. Uh, I had a relationship with with this girl that had been going on like close to two years, and that ended really abruptly. And I was really heartbroken about that. Also, there was a lot of family drama going on that was that that I felt really powerless about. And so, oftentimes, what I prayed to God this is a very honest prayer, but I said, God. You have to change all my circumstances in order for me to be okay. God, I need you to change all the stuff around me if you want me to be happy. And then what God said to me was, you don't need a change of circumstance. You need a change of heart. And he led me to this verse, which is 2 Corinthians 12, 9. And it says, my grace is sufficient for you. In In other words, in the midst of everything you're going through, the only thing you need is my grace. The only thing you need is God. You don't need circumstances to change. You just need God. And so I needed to remember that every day. So what I did was I took a Sharpie and every morning I wrote, my grace is sufficient for you on my hand, over and over again. My grace is sufficient for you. I did this for about a month. My grace is sufficient for you. Until one day, and this makes me sound really um, prideful, just bear with me, I walked by a mirror and I thought, that looks awesome. I love that. And so, so, so I looked at it and I said, hey, I wonder like, if I could get that tattooed. Like, my grace is sufficient for you. Um, and so here's what I did. I, uh, first of all, I was uh, over the age of 21, uh, and I think that matters. Um, number two, I actually called my parents. Even though technically I didn't have to, I could have made the decision on my own, I called my parents. Some of you think that's lame, whatever. I called my parents, and I said, I, I want you to know that I'm thinking about getting a tattoo. What do you think? And my dad was actually the one that said, um, Scripture was originally written in Greek, at least the New Testament. I think it'd be cool if you got that verse in Greek. Uh, And I said, I like that. That's awesome. And so I had my parents' full blessing um, to get the tattoo as well. And as I prayed about it and as I looked at scripture about it, I couldn't find anything where God specifically said getting a tattoo is a sin. And so my conscience was clear. Because for me, it wasn't an act of rebellion. It was an act of depending on God more. And so my conscience asking the question, is this more glorifying to God or less glorifying to God? I I thought it was more. And as I prayed about it, I felt like God confirmed that. And so finally, the last question is, is, is this going to cause someone else to stumble in their faith? Now, there's a reason I got this on my wrist. It's because for the most part, I work with students, and students don't usually have an issue with tattoos. It's really not a big deal, but there's some parents that um, having a tattoo uh, is a big deal, and there's also some, some teenagers as well that are just kind of against it. So I got it on my wrist because I knew if I needed to, I could put a watch over it, and cover it up so that I would not cause anyone to stumble because I didn't want anyone to question Jesus when they saw me. And so, as I was processing this decision, I made sure to walk through what does Scripture say? What does my conscience say? And am I causing someone else to stumble? And at the end of all that, after much prayer and consideration, after my parents' blessing, God said to me, It was not a sin. So, um, is getting a tattoo a sin? That's the answer to that one. Here's the next one that I want to talk about. Is self-harm slash self-hate a sin? And uh, this one I am glad we're talking about, but I hate the fact that we're having to talk about it. Um, Because the reason we have to talk about it is because this is a struggle for some of you in the room. And that breaks my heart. That breaks my heart because uh, I just hate that some of you are struggling with self-heart. Uh, 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 self-hate or, um, or self-harm. So, um, so, so, so I want to ask the question, what does scripture say about self-hate or self-harm? And here's, here's the first thing that scripture says. 1 Corinthians 6.19, there's many verses. By the way, uh, at the top of your notes are all the verses that we're talking about tonight. So if at any point you need to go back and look at these verses, you can find them right there. So 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, don't you know, in other words, like have you forgotten, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. God commands us to honor him with our body. Here's the next verse. Psalm 139 says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. This is, um, the author is, is kind of reflecting on who he is and he's, he's talking to God and he's saying, God, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. And here's the truth for you. You can say that same thing. You can say that same thing. You can look at God and say, God, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. That's what scripture says. And it's true for you. Here's the next verse. Um, for we, all of us in this room, for we are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. All of you in this room are God's masterpiece, God's handiwork. God made you. And then finally, this last one, some of you might remember this from our Circles series, Matthew twenty-two thirty-nine. 39, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, now, now this verse is cool because it's a command and it's God telling all of you in the room, you need to love your neighbor, you need to love the people around you, you need to care the people, uh, care for the people around you. But in the same breath, he's saying, and, and, you need to love yourself. You need to love yourself. God's command to you is to love your neighbor, and his command to you is also to love yourself. And so the question is, is, is self-hate or self-harm. sin and the answer is yes because to harm someone else or to hate someone else is a sin and so including yourself so to hate yourself or to harm yourself is a sin but but here's here's what you need to know today oh my gosh you need to know this self-harm and self-hate is a big deal to God because you are a big deal to God the reason God cares about this issue is because he cares about you. Oh my gosh, he loves you. Like that's the whole reason that he set this thing up as a sin or not a sin. And here are the rules. Here, listen, God's laws, okay? God's laws are not to give you limits, but to give you life. See, God didn't just make up some like random rules that you have to follow because he wants to box you in. God gave you these rules because he cares about you. Because he loves you. Because he cares about your life. And so as we talk about the issue of self-hate or self-harm, he's looking at you and he's saying, I love you. Please don't, don't hate yourself. Don't harm yourself. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I made you. Like you are my masterpiece. And I care so deeply for you. That first verse we looked at said you were bought with a price. See, God sent Jesus to die for you. God paid an extraordinarily high price because he loves you. And I think think he would look at some of you and say, Man, if only you saw you the way I saw you. Man, if only you cared about you the way I care about you. If only you loved you the way I love you. Because I sent Jesus to die for you. I love you and I hate that you hate yourself. Because I don't want anyone to hate you. I don't want anyone to harm you, not even you. And so when God looks at you, self-hate and self-harm is a big deal to God because you are a big deal to God. And he paid the price of his son for you. That's how much he loves you. And I think he would look at you and say, I just, I want you to love you the way I love you. That's all I want. I want you to love you the way I love you. Um, so this is, this is the last uh, question of the night. And this is, uh, this is like the most popular question. This, you know, this wins like the most popular award. And uh, looks like we're running out of time. So anyways, um, you guys, thank you guys so much for coming tonight. And I'm just kidding. We're going to answer this question, okay? Some of you were a little upset. You're like, I have to know. I have to know. Okay. So, we're going to answer this question because many of you, many of you have been asking, many of your friends have been asking, there's a lot of, like, well-meaning people that love Jesus, and when they think about weed, they're like, Jesus must give a big old thumbs up for some weed. And I want to talk about this. Is smoking weed, is smoking weed a sin? So, what does scripture say? What does scripture say? Romans 13.1 says this. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. This verse probably sounds familiar. Because we talked about it already. If it's against the law, it's a sin. God established these authorities. God established this government. God established these laws for a reason. So, if it's against the law. Which it is. Then it's a sin. But, I know. I know. I know. Some of you in the room are like, yeah, 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 but, but legalize it, right? Like, Like what happens in Colorado, huh? What happens if I get on a plane to Colorado and I'm 18 years old? It's legal there. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that, okay? So what does scripture say? Let's assume that you're 18 years old and you're living in the grand state of Colorado and it is not against the law for you to smoke weed. So what does scripture say? Ephesians 5.18 says this. Don't be drunk with wine. Because that will ruin your life. Again, God's not trying to give you limits. He's trying to give you life. He cares about your life. He doesn't want you to ruin your life. So he says, don't be drunk with wine. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I know you're like, no, no, no. But that verse is talking about getting drunk, Steve. It's not talking about getting high. Fair enough. But here's the deal. Scripture... When it comes to alcohol it's silent on alcohol but it's very loud on intoxication very loud in fact all throughout scripture it talks about drunkenness being a sin this verse talks about drunkenness being a sin and if you don't believe me look at these verses um this first one i think is from uh titus it says encourage young men to be sober minded not drunk not intoxicated not high and then in case you didn't hear them first peter 5 8 says be sober minded And then if you need to be reminded one more time, be sober-minded in 2 Timothy 4, 5. And so it means a great deal to God. Everywhere where drunkenness or intoxication is talked about, it's viewed as a sin. And then God is encouraging people to be sober-minded. In fact, if you're in the grand old state of Colorado and you're over 18, it is not against the law for, uh, for you to smoke weed. But if you are high and you get behind the wheel of a car, a cop can pull you over. And give you a ticket for DUI. Now isn't that strange? Even though you're not drunk. The penalty is the same. Because the law views it the same. Being drunk. And being high. And so it means a great deal. And so if you're smoking weed. And you're getting high. Scripture is very clear. It's a sin. But there's some of you that still want to like. Worm your way through this. And you're like yeah yeah yeah. But but. What if, what if I'm not getting high? Come on. Okay, now um, we're going to talk about this, but here's what we could talk about, okay? And we're not going to, because we don't have time, but we could talk about all of the health reasons why smoking weed is a really bad idea, okay? Which to me, this is funny, I, I, I have a lot of students that come up to me with like shady websites, and they're like, Steve, smoking weed is like, The healthiest thing you could ever do. And I'm like, no, 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 bro. Um, Eating vegetables is the healthiest thing that you could do, okay? Like anytime you're inhaling smoke, it's not a good idea for your body. And look at this. In addition to all this stuff that's not good for you, and God actually cares about your life, smoking marijuana increases anxiety, depression, and suicide. Or thoughts of suicide now now here's what's interesting this is a drug that's supposed to be used to calm you down to keep you from being anxious and yet people that use it on a regular basis have higher rates of anxiety higher rates of depression and higher rates of suicide and so and so I know some of you are like yeah yeah, yeah but but what if I just want to smoke just a little of it, and I'm over 18, and I'm in Colorado, and it's not against the law, and I'm not going to get high. Here's the question that I would ask you. Why? Like, like, why, why is it such, why is this substance such a big deal for you? What are you running from? What are you, what are you trying to cope with? Because maybe marijuana is a substance that you're running to instead of running to God. Maybe smoking weed is a way you escape instead of actually address the issues that are going on in your life. And see, I think this whole discussion on sin and marijuana, we have to come back to this question. What is sin? Okay, Now, now listen real quick. Because we, you already have the definition for sin as disobeying God and, you know, sin is selfishness and all that stuff. But sin ruins lives without exception. Do you, know, do you know sin? Sin is the reason that he cheated on you. It was because of sin. Sin is the reason that she cheated on you. Sin is the reason that she gossiped and lied about you. Sin is the reason that your parents split up. Sin is the reason that your deadbeat dad left long ago. Sin is the reason that your best friend committed suicide. Sin is the reason that you struggle with depression. Sin is the reason that people are caught in addiction and there is no, seemingly, no way out. It's because of sin. And we ask these questions to God, these questions of permission, and a lot of times I think our questions are more like, hey, God, what can I, like, Like, how close can I get to sin? Like, can I just be right next to sin, like right next to it being a sin, like what exactly can I get away with? And I think God would look at us and say, why are you asking, like, what can I get away with? When instead you, you should be saying, what can I run from? Like, how can I run away from this sin? See, if you truly understood how bad sin is for you, you wouldn't be trying to be close to it. You'd try to be far away from it. Because sin will ruin your life. See, sin, sin is like a knife in your carry-on bag. And you may not realize it, but it's harmful. And it's harmful to you, and it's harmful to the people around you. And God is like the security guard and he's standing at the door and he's saying, please don't go forward. Please take that sin out of your life. Not because he wants you to just like follow some rules, but because he cares about you. He loves you. And so here's the question that we're going to end every talk with. What will you do with the answers that you heard today? What will you do with the answers you heard today. And there's some of you in the room that, that maybe there are some things that are sins that you didn't realize were a sin. Maybe there's some of you that like, you had no idea what sin was and why it was a big deal. Maybe, maybe for you, you didn't know that sin ruins lives and that's why it's a big deal to God. Or maybe, maybe there's some of you <laughs> that you had no idea that God cared about you this much. That the reason sin is a big deal to God is because you are a big deal to God. Maybe you had no idea that he loved you as much as he does. Maybe you had no idea he views you in the way that he does. Maybe you didn't know that the heart of your heavenly father is a heart to protect you and to love you and to care for you. And that his laws are not to give limits to your life, but to give life. He cares about you. So maybe there's some of you in the room that maybe you've got another question of, is this a sin that we didn't talk about tonight? And maybe for you, you need to go through that step-by-step process. Say, what does scripture say? What does my conscience say as I pray about it, as I think about it? Finally, is this causing someone else to stumble? And maybe tonight is just a night where you need to like reconnect with God and say, God, God, I I have sinned. Man, I've messed up. And I just need you. And so, so what I want to do is I want to pray for you right now. But I want you to wrestle with this question. God, what do you want me to do with what I've heard today? So let me pray for you. God, um. So grateful that you care about us and I'm so glad that you preserved scripture for us so that we could see what is a sin and what's not not a sin. Because sin is a big deal to you because it ruins lives and you don't want us to have a ruined life. So God, would you remind these students just how much you actually care for them? Would you help them focus on you? And would they look past just the rules and instead see the relationship of their Heavenly Father that loves them so much? And maybe for them, instead of running to a substance, tonight would be the night that they run to a Savior and find comfort and true joy in you. So thank you for tonight. And I pray that these students would be encouraged and they would recognize the sin in their life, and they would run away and run after you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.